I love that song. You know I do. Always. I always love it. But uh, that song is so appropriate. Uh, thank you for playing it today. Uh, the, the verse that, or the, the, the line in that song that really stands out to me, and it stood out to me uh, three, four weeks ago, whenever uh, Karen played it at that time, it says, God, his mercy is mighty, age to ages to ages. It's always been there, and it's always going to be there. And, and then it also talks about how God is the same yesterday, now, and forever. And so in my message, we're gonna, I'm going to use some Old Testament references and about today's situation our world situation. And it's important to understand that because it happened back then does not mean it does not pertain to us today. It was a different situation, a different culture, a different climate, but the situation is so similar. And so I just want to give you that little backdrop. It is not, it is very appropriate because God's character doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, now, and forever. So what he did back then, if he doesn't do it exactly the same, he's still going to do it in some form. And so uh, I just wanted to emphasize that to us. And I'm also, I love technology, even though I'm not any good at it. But I'd like to use it to my advantage when when I can, and when I have people who can do it for me. So uh, that's the case here. It's not me doing it. It is those wonderful people up in the sound booth that are going to help me today. So do you know, I, I just, today, my message I would call it from mercy to glory. God's mercy is what I want to emphasize today, and I've found out by doing this study that mercy is a tremendously big subject. Mercy, in, in, in different translations, mercy is translated in certain situations as love, as forgiveness. It has a broad spectrum of meanings. But we're going to look at some of those things today. First, I want to give you some facts. And, and, and I guess I should back up. I want, what I want to emphasize today is the monumental event that occurred on Friday. This is, this is a spiritual event. It is not just a political event. It's not a cultural event. This is a spiritual event. And, and just so you understand, this is not the end. This is the very beginning of the battle. But it is the first shot, the first fire to go out. And you have to understand, again, this is spiritual. And I, I'm going to try to back that up here with some information. On June 25th, 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court 
said that prayer in school was not constitutional. June 25th, 1962, prayer was taken out of schools. On January 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court, remember the U.S. Supreme Court banned prayer, now the U.S. Supreme Court is saying that it's legal to murder, to murder your babies. And I'm deliberately using the word murder because I'm tired of, the, of the, the way the devil uses words to soften what he's doing. We can call it abortion, but it's murder. It's murder, plain and simple. What does the Bible tell us? Thou shalt not murder. So there's no question about what God's intent is in this. On June 26, 2015, U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. I'm just trying to give you an idea of a couple of things about how when you take God out, even a little, when you take God out, you've taken him out, and then things progress, a downhill slide. And so, in 53 years from when prayer was taken out of school, 53 years later, we now have same-sex marriage. And then, so then we come to Friday, June 24th, 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. Exactly. 60 years. June 25th, 1962. June 24th, 2022. Now, I don't know if the 60 years is particularly significant, but I find it very interesting that it's to the day. A full, a complete 60-year cycle from when prayer was taken out, when God was told, we don't want you in our education, to now we're coming back. We're coming back, but it's just a start. There's a new, I don't know if it's a new song, I guess, I don't care. There's a, there's a song out there that's new to us. It says, God is turning it around by John Reddick. I'm just saying that just in case you know the song. God is turning it around. I believe that. I, I fully believe it. But it is not a one and done. 60 years of, of uh, sin cannot be turned around in a day. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some diligence. So we've had, now we've had 49 years, 60 years from, of, of the U.S. Supreme Court. And here's the, here's the important part is, if we, when we sin as individuals, we have personal consequences. When a nation sins, we all suffer the consequences. This is the U.S. Supreme Court, the highest court in the nation, is making a decree, had made, has made decrees, and now has made a new decree, saying 
we will not allow the murder of babies anymore. We will not, and, and, and so, I mean, I don't want to go into all the details, but it goes back to the states, but it's still such an important statement. It is not something to just, uh, we want to celebrate it, but we don't want to let our guards down. And so, I just, again, when, a, when a, the U.S. Supreme Court or the president makes a statement, it's, it's representing a nation, we all suffer. So, I'm gonna, uh, I just wanna give you a little personal thing. This is something I wrote in my journal. I journal, I do not keep a diary, I journal occasionally. But I happened to journal on the 29th of June, 2015. That would be uh, three or four days after same-sex marriage was uh, established. The Supreme Court decision to legalize same-sex marriage really struck, sunk in today when I re realized we had just lost our democracy. Now this is my, my interpretation of that day. The people of our nation had voted against same-sex marriage, but the courts reversed it, reversed our vote. A very sad day, not to mention uh, snubbing our nose at God. So that's the way I took that. And I, and I ref referenced Psalm 2, where if you read Psalm 2, you'll see that they say, we're going to throw off these fetters. We're going to do what we want to do. And God laughs. God will have the final word. Thank you. So, is there any doubt, again, thinking of this nationally, is there any doubt that our nation has sinned greatly against God. Is there any doubt in your mind that our sin, our sin is great? 60 years of no prayer of God out of our education, 49 years of legalized murder, our sin is great. Is there any doubt that we are guilty and deserve judgment? You have to answer that for yourselves. So, Second Timothy 2, uh, 3.16 says that uh, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, I thought about that in the sense that at the time that was written, there was no New Testament. There was a new covenant. But if God is saying all scripture is given for those purposes, then we can always go back to the Old Testament and use it as an example. So that's what I'm gonna to do today. We're gonna to go to the prayer of Daniel. Remember, as a nation, as members of this nation, we are guilty by association. 
Daniel 9, 4 and 5. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from you, from your precepts and your judgments. That was Daniel, a man who there, there is nothing that I've ever seen in the Bible but good things said about him. He was a godly man, and does he exclude himself? No. He says, this is what our nation did. I'm included in the nation. I'm guilty. Okay, then we'll go to Daniel 9, 10, 10 and 11. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yet all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. We have sinned against God. We have the law, the law of Moses. The law, the law says if you do these things, there's going to be consequences. And we have suffered the consequences. After 60 years, we have suffered the consequences. And remember that this is a time when Israel is in captivity. They're at a very low point in their history. We're at a very low point in our history. I don't want to see us go any lower. And so by the grace of God and the mercy of God, I'm praying that we don't go any lower. But we have to admit, we have to admit our guilt. Okay, then we'll go to uh, Daniel 9, 13 and 14. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand the truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. The Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does though we have not obeyed his voice. <clears throat> we have not obeyed. We have not done what we were supposed to do. And uh, this is 60 years again. Remember, this is not just something that happened overnight. This is a process that has happened because we did not do. Now, I know maybe this is sounding too heavy, but 
we have to accept our role in this for either what we didn't do or what we did do. And certainly now these young people have much less of a case in that, but we don't want them to live in, a, in the nation and in the circumstances that will be coming if this is not turned around. Then we go to Daniel 9.15. And you, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. We have done wickedly. Sixty million babies is a wicked number. So this is not, this is not overstating the case. This is what it is as a nation. Again, you have to remember, we're talking about as a nation and our responsibility and our connection as a nation. So, I've given you, I just want this to be emphasized that we have to understand our responsibility in all of this. The role that we played by omission or commission, whichever the case is. But now we're going to go into the good news. There is good news. Now let's go to nine, uh, Daniel 9, 17, 18, and 19. This is what I believe the Lord is telling us today. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which was called by your name. I'm gonna put in there the nation that was called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Praise the Lord. Oh Lord, hear, O oh Lord, forgive, O oh Lord. Listen and act. Do not delay your. Do not delay for your sake, my God, for your city, your nation, and your people are called by your name. Make no mistake about it. This nation was called by God. We're talking about Old Testament. This was about Israel, but it applies to us today. We are a nation under God. We were established under God. He wants us back. And he's doing it yes. for your sake and my sake. No, he's doing it for his sake, for his name. He wants his name glorified. Amen. And this is not where our nation is today. We are not glorifying his name. But he wants to extend mercy. So our hope is in God's mercy and in his name. So, you know that when you ask for mercy, when you're asking mer for mercy from a just God, 
there's a difference between asking for mercy and begging for mercy. If someone's broken into your home and they're threatening you with whatever, you can beg for mercy. But when you're asking God for mercy, you're admitting your guilt. Lord, I have sinned. Forgive my sin. Remember, mercy is love, is forgiveness. Mercy, will you, for your sake, forgive me? But you have to confess your guilt. You have to repent of what you've done. You have to turn to God. That's the mercy that God wants you to hope in. Mercy is an admission of guilt. Asking for mercy is an admission of guilt. So, we go to Daniel 9, 9. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, not that. Ezekiel 36, 17-18. This, I, I'm going to just put in a plug here for the prayer meetings we're having. We're having Wednesday night prayer meetings. We're having Saturday prayer meetings. This is not an exclusive group. This is open to everyone. This word came through Pastor Don yesterday at the prayer meeting. And it is so appropriate for, I, I, was, I had a sermon prepared roughly, but this was an answer to prayer. This is the word of the Lord, I feel. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her custom, customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood that they had shed on the land and for their idols with which they had defiled it. It's talking about defiling the land and the blood. We all know what the blood is in this case. It's the blood, for sure, of 60 million babies. God said the blood of uh, Cain, Abel, cries out. Doesn't the blood of 60 million babies cry out louder than that? Yes, it does. So, <coughs> we've defiled the land by the blood that we've shed, that we have shed. Again, you have to understand, we're not, we're not innocent. We can't point our finger at someone else. We're in this. God has put us in this. And idols. One of the idols, we don't, ha we don't idolize carved images. I don't think most of us do. But we have other idols. We have idols of convenience, of, I don't want anyone to think less of me. I'm not gonna to say too much. We have the idol of political correctness. I'm just not gonna say it because it might offend someone. There's a time, Jesus was an offense. There's a time to be offensive if that's what it takes. We don't be offensive to just be offensive. But when truth needs to be spoken, it's okay to offend. 
Then we'll go on to Ezekiel 20 through 23, 36, 20 to 23. When they came to the nations, wherever they were, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and that they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel has profaned among the nations, wherever they went. God's name. America used to be the beacon of light. What are we now? We're the exporter of murder. We're telling other nations, you have to join into this. We are profaning God's name. But he's doing it. He's going to return it for his sake, for his glory. You know, uh, Romans 11:33 says, his ways are beyond understanding. We don't understand why it took 60 years for the first shot to be fired. But we know, I feel we know, God is turning this around. Ezekiel uh, 36:25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. This is what the Lord wants to do. He's going to do it. I believe it. There's so many words out there. I don't know how many of you follow the prophets. But there's many words out there that God is turning this around, that it's, he's going to clean this up, and there's going to be a great revival. This is revival. When God puts, cleans us up. And we'll go to 36, 26, and 27. This is what Again, at our prayer meeting yesterday, pastor spoke about the spirit of the nation has to change. It's not a law. We've seen the law is being changed, but that's just the start. It's the spirit that has to change. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to work, to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Keep my statutes and do them because you have the right spirit, you have the right heart, that God's going to do it. He's doing it for his namesake. He wants us back. As, as defiled as we are, as, as, as much as we've defiled the country and we've profaned his name as a nation, he wants us back. So, we'll go to Isaiah 48. 9 through 11. For my name's sake, I will 
defer my anger, and for my praise I will restrain it from you. Restrain his anger from us, so that I do not, do I not so that I do not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For my own sake, I will do it. God wants us back. Not because of what we've done, because of his mercy. Then 48.2.8. Or did we get through that all? No. For, yeah. For, yes. For how should my name, for how should my name be profaned? I will not give my glory to another. God's glory is reserved for God not for anyone else or anything else. That's good. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. We have to not bow down to the idols in our lives. And again, this is Old Testament. We're not talking about carved images. We're talking about our perceptions of what's important. That's an idol. Anything that you is more important to you than God is an idol against God. If you can't, uh, if you choose, you're, cho you're choosing between, in many situations, we're choosing between what God wants us to do and what we want to do. I can go into other verses, but I won't. Uh, anyway, you know, in, in Isaiah 58, he talks about people praying. And God says, hey, you're just, you're just you're giving me lip service. You're saying one thing and you're doing another thing. You're doing your thing instead of you're doing what I'm supposed to asking you to do. You can check that out. Isaiah 58, I don't have it on the list. But... Here's the really good news, Daniel 9, 9. For the, for the Lord our God being, belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have sinned against him. To God belongs mercy and forgiveness. He wants us to have mercy and forgiveness. My hope is in the Lord. So remember that we must confess guilt. We must confess our shame. We must repent and ask for mercy and forgiveness. Psalm 147, 11. This is the one the Lord showed to me at one of the prayer meetings, and it has just stuck with me. The Lord takes pleasure. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. If your hope in this dark world is in 
the mercy of God. Because we don't deserve it. We've sinned greatly. But if your hope is in His mercy, God is pleased with you. God is pleased that you would put your hope in His mercy, in His forgiveness, in His love. That's the, word, the different meanings of the word mercy. It's pleasing to God. What's more important than pleasing our Heavenly Father? If we please Him, we're giving Him glory. And that's what He wants. He says, I will not share my glory with another. Seek ye first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. First. Seek Him first. Not second, not third. Not when I get around to it. Seek Him first. Ah. Uh, when we approach God, He's a just God. So we ask for mercy because we don't we don't have a right to it. We have to depend on God to give it to us. Again, asking for mercy implies guilt. And it's important to understand that. If, if you don't feel like you're guilty, you don't need mercy. But God says, I'm pleased if you hope in my mercy. And God, you know, uh, Jesus prepared a way for us to go to the Father and ask for mercy. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to go boldly to the throne of grace to get the mercy that we're looking for, because we're guilty. We all know when we came to Jesus, we admitted we were sinners. This is not a new concept. This is who we are. We're sinners. We need the Lord. We are not righteous in our own selves. We need the Lord. And he says, you can come boldly now. Because of what Jesus has done, you can come boldly and ask boldly for that mercy that you need and the grace that goes with it. And then in Micah 6, 6 through 8, what then shall I come be with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Now remember, we're coming boldly before God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy. We're emphasizing mercy today. But justly, we have to be just. We have to be honest with ourselves. 
as to what our role has been and will be as this battle rages on. And our hope is in the Lord. And our hope is in the mercy of the Lord. That's where it is. Our deeds and our sacrifices are meaningless without a right relationship with, with God. If we do not love mercy, if we do not act justly, if we do not walk humbly with our God, our other deeds are meaningless. We'll go to Micah 7:18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? We are. We are his heritage. The Israelites were their heritage at that time, and they still are. But we are also. We're his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he de delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. He loves mercy. He wants us to have, he wants to have mercy on us. But we have to put ourselves in the right position and not point fingers at someone else, but look at ourselves and say, do I need mercy? Yes, I do need your mercy, Lord. I do need your mercy. And, oh, he, he delights in mercy. He's pleased in mercy. Just think of those words for a minute. Delight and pleasing to God. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing. There's so many, as, you, as I was studying about mercy, there's so much in the Bible about mercy. You know, you got the tax collector and the Pharisee praying, and uh, the tax collector says, he admits his guilt. He says, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee is pointing his finger and says, I'm not like that, man. And we all know the story, I think. You know, God says, who was more righteous? The person who admitted their guilt and asked for mercy. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 we all know this one. Though the Lord's mercies are not, th through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. The mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mercy is new every morning. It's not something you use up. It's always there. It comes back. It's available at all times. Luke 6.36 Therefore be merciful as your Father is merciful. And uh, James 5.13 Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his, his works are done in the, wait a minute, did I have to? It's three, they got 313 up there. It's 213, I think. I'm sorry. 
Uh, well, anyway, I could read that. Can you get that up or not? Yeah, I gave the wrong one. All right, I'll read it. I think it's worth reading. Two thirteen, it is. I want you guys to see. This is. Oh, <laughs> here it is. Can you see that? <laughs> For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Yeah. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we. God says mercy triumphs over judgment. He says, I don't want to give you judgment. I want to give you mercy. But you have to do your part. For one thing, you have to admit your guilt. Secondly, you have to be merciful to others. Then judgment is triumphed over by mercy. So, My conclusion, the old is passing. 53 years of, per, uh, 60 years of prayer out of school, 53 years from prayer going out of school to same-sex marriage, 49 years of murder, the old is passing. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19a. I'm sorry. No, you got that? Okay. Oh, do not remember the, law, the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 42, 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare, because they spring forth, I tell you of them. In both verses, he said, things are going to spring forth. Things are coming. And they're going to have some power behind them. What is it? If something springs, it's got some power. It's not just coming. God is bringing it forth. I believe that's the word of the Lord. The Lord, these are the, this is the first sign of things turning around. The first, not the first sign, I shouldn't put it that way. I think the first major sign of things turning around. The Lord is moving in a powerful way. Our nation's sin is great, but our Father is greater. Our Father is greater than the sins of this nation. And you know his attitude now. He wants to be merciful. He wants us back. But the devil is angry and pouring out, putting, uh, pouring out all the stops. He's just pulling out all the stops. You know, if you watch the news, they're, it's so cunning. Right after they talk, have any of you noticed in the last day or two, 
that they just came out with a new study about how to keep your baby safe, your infant baby safe when it's sleeping? Has anybody seen that? Yeah. Do you think that's ironic? I think it's terribly ironic. They're concerned about babies, uh, what do they call it, the SIDS. They were concerned about SIDS and they've come out with a new study. Isn't it interesting? It comes out right after they're making this fuss about abortion, about murder. And don't you see, they're telling us, don't you see how concerned we are for your baby? But on the other hand, you can kill it if you want to. But we're going to make sure if you don't want to kill it, that we're going to tell you how to keep it safe in its crib. We're not going to tell you how to keep it safe in the mother's womb, though, because we might want to extract it from the womb. So just I just say that to make you stop and think when you see some things that you understand the motives behind it. They're subtle. They had the first, on Friday night I saw on the news, they talking, they show two elderly women talking about the rights of women. They're grandmas. It gives the Im image of a grandma. Doesn't grandma always do what's best? Isn't grandma trustworthy? But grandma's up there saying, we're taking away women's rights to health. It's not true. But that's their, you've got, I believe, you've got to start seeing what things are and what they're doing, how they're trying to create an impression in you that they're looking out for your best. They're not. If it does not align with the word of God, it is not for their best. So we need to continue, number one, in spiritual warfare. This is not the end. This is the beginning of the war, of the battle. We won a great victory, but the battle continues. Number two, we must admit our sin. I think it's paramount. We have to understand. We are living under the consequences of a nation's sin. And we are part of that nation. Daniel didn't exclude himself. He was a total man of God. Exalt our God, our great God, and give him the glory that is rightfully his alone. He's going to turn this around, but he needs us to agree with him. He needs us to want what he wants. It's not complacency. It's action. And with the Lord, and ask for God's mercy, which, while being merciful to others, we have to speak to people. We have to give them the truth with mercy, not in a condemning way, but in an enlightening way, trying to get them to understand that we have pulled God out of our nation's laws. We have pulled him out of our nation's culture. We need to 
put them back in the culture. You need to be expressive of who God is and, and, and who He is and what, how much He cares for these people. And we have to ask, uh, we, we need to engage the culture, not ignore or accept the evil that's in it. I mean, I, I was, I was about 14 when prayer was taken out of school. What did I know? No, well, okay. They've taken prayer out of school. Somebody should have been watching. When, when, when we engage the culture, we have to look at what the Bible says or what a candidate says is he aligning with scripture or is he aligning with the world we have to vote that's that's one of the things we have to do and we have to uh, understand that leaders are what make the national statements and then we become subject to the consequences of those leaders statements it's very important that we get the correct leaders in it's very important that if any of you are called into the political realm that you move into it as Christians it's our job God does not we do not have uh, the world here and the church here in the sense of we're just going to stay away from them. We're just going to do what we want to do. We have to influence the world. That's our job as Christians, to influence the world and not let the world influence us. That's what we need to do to engage. So, that's the word I have for you today. I, I just feel I'm going to add one thing that, again, I'm really promoting the prayer meetings. At the prayer meeting Wednesday night, one of the members said something about Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's Genesis. You know, in the old days, you know, I talked about technology, but in the old days it said, follow Follow me if you have a Bible, okay? So, in, in uh, Genesis 3, 7, it says, Then after she had even eaten the apple, no, I'm sorry, eaten the fruit, and then gave it to Adam, and he ate of it. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. And then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, God said, who told you that you were naked? And the Lord said to me, sin is what causes us 
to think about ourselves. Before that, Adam and Eve, they were naked, they didn't know it. I mean, it didn't make any difference. They were innocent, they were pure. But when, as soon as they sinned, they began to look at themselves. They began, began to be self-aware. And that's what sin does, it makes us self-aware. And what does God tell us to do? Die to self. That's our big challenge. Our whole lifetime challenge is dying to ourself. And sin causes us to look at ourselves and place a dependency on ourselves. And it also tells us things that God never wanted us to know. God didn't want, to know, they want them to know that they were naked. It didn't make any difference. But once, once they sinned, they became self-aware and tried to hide themselves. Isn't that what we do our whole life? We try to hide ourselves from who we really are. Lord, God doesn't want that anymore. He wants us to open ourselves up to Him, to His life that will flow through us. And if we do that, we will not be so self-aware. We will lose our self-identity in that sense. We will say, I'm totally dependent on the Lord. I will do what the Lord says. I will create a relationship with the Lord. And He will tell me what to do. We saw in these verses, they did not obey His voice. We have not obeyed His voice as a nation. As a nation, we have not obeyed His voice. God is saying, do not be self-aware. Just focus on me. And to God be the glory.